We've been lied to. We have been lied to believe that God's presence only exists in the church. And that's the only place we need God's presence. And as long as I can make it through the week and nothing bad happens, I'm okay. But you know, growing up and going to school, I knew that at a particular time, we could go to the cafeteria and I would get a good meal. And at a certain time, I was allowed to lay down and take a nap. And at a certain time, I could go out and I could play. And school fulfilled a lot of needs. But now, how many of you, well, everyone in here should realize that school is not a safe place anymore. So my challenge to each and every one of you is when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go to Walmart, when you walk in the door, don't just think it, but start saying to yourself and start saying to God, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. When you walk in Walmart and those doors open up, say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. You feel this atmosphere. That's your challenge. All of you that raised your hand and me, me included. When you go to work, is there any guarantees? Uh, I, I love my brother and sister back there from Danville, the, the jumpers, pastor and missionary jumper. I love them. And I didn't know, I would, you would never guess what this beautiful woman does for a living. I'm not going to tell everybody. But there are some risks in the work you do, is there not? There are some, some physical challenges. So we need to pray God's presence be with us each and every place we go. Whether you're going to Walmart, whether you're going to 7-Eleven, just going to get some gas or a bottle of milk, it doesn't matter. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Um, we, again, as Pastor Wendy said, we thank God for, the, for our open altar family. We thank God for our partners, our guests. And we thank God for each and every one of you that are watching us via social media. We know that some of you are maybe either working other jobs or maybe you're in another state, another place, and you can't be here. But we are so glad that you're watching us right now. And maybe you're not watching us live. You'll watch us later on. But we pray that God's message and God's spirit bless you on today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And we want to say Get the gift. Look at somebody and say, get the gift. Now, throughout history, and, and one thing that I, I love that God has given me now is just, one, the Bible says, he that hungereth and thirsts after righteousness, you shall be filled. It's just, I have this desire just to have more knowledge, you know, and not just Facebook knowledge, but knowledge about what's real and what's true and not <laughs> Y'all supposed to laugh at that. But I want to know more. So I just happened to be reading this article the other day. I talked about people that we have read about or we've heard about, 
but some people question whether or not they truly exist. Were these people real? Jack the Ripper? John Henry? Socrates? Shakespeare? Homer? And not Simpson. <laughs> King Arthur? Confucius? Confucius, excuse me. Robin Hood? And Muhammad? Are all of those people real? They are. Okay. Then it goes on, as I, and, and they weren't exactly in this order, but I put them in this order. Then it went on to say Moses, Mary Magdalene. And it didn't question the existence of Mary Magdalene, but there were so many Marys, just like there were other James and there were other Johns. But some even said that Mary Magdalene, well, she was this person. And, well, we knew she wiped Jesus' feet with her tears and cried on him and all that, but she was also probably Jesus' wife. King Solomon, Paul, and someone even questioned Jesus himself. Did Jesus actually live? But I will say this. They went on to write in the article that if Jesus did exist or if he didn't exist, one way or another, his presence has affected millions of people, and that cannot be disputed. That absolutely, you can say he was fictitious all day, but how he has affected the lives of millions, if not billions of people, cannot be disputed. So whether or not Jesus existed, we know he does. End of story. Not like the bumper sticker said, God said that I believe it, and that settles it. No, God said it. End of story. But not only has Jesus existed, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, number one point, the Godhead has always existed. So how do we know this? Because when do we hear about the Holy Spirit? On the day of Pentecost, right? Genesis chapter 1, Genesis of all places, chapter 1. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the what? Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God. Not God himself, but it says the Spirit of God. Now, and I'll get into this a little more later on, but there are two words that define Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'll cover those later on. But this Spirit means Spirit more, more so in the Old Testament deals with spirit in the sense of man. Man and his actions. Man and his, you know, they say, well, he did something in the spirit of excellence. He just, they just feel so good. They just always in good spirits. But there are two different words used in spirit. But whenever you see spirit capitalized, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It is talking about the Holy Spirit. So the, the Godhead has always been in existence, and we cannot take that away from God. And this spirit is the third person in the triune of God, the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. You cannot have one without the other. Amen? So we agree, number one, that the Godhead has always existed. Thank you, sir. You are on top of things. Number two, you cannot separate God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. There cannot be a true ongoing relationship in heaven without the Trinity, the presence of all three. There cannot be a true relationship in heaven without God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And neither can they exist here on earth without all three. You cannot separate. I am, and I say I, I can be a woman, just for a second. I can be a woman, I can be a man. I'm going somewhere, Pastor Wendy. <laughs> you married a man, don't worry. <laughs> you want to check my driver's license? <laughs> okay. If, if I'm a woman, I can be a mother, I can be a daughter, I can be a sister, I can be a sister-in-law, I can be a cousin. If I'm a man, I can be a brother, I can be a father, I can be an uncle. You can be all of those things, but just because I am acting in a role as a father does not forfeit me being a son. I am always a father, and I am always a son. So when you, you can't say, well, well you're, who are you now? Well, I'm taking my wife out, so I'm, I'm a husband. So you're not my daddy anymore? I'm always going to be your daddy, but right now I'm taking the wife out. So you don't forfeit, so you cannot separate the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You cannot separate them. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. As, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And you know, Jesus went to John and asked him about being baptized. And John's like, wait a minute, you're the Son of God and you want me to baptize you? And he says, yes. Because Jesus, among other things, was always humbled. He humbled himself. And the Bible says that we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with our feelings of infirmities. And I'm not talking about them temptation, but we don't have a high priest who didn't walk this earth the same as we did. So he humbled himself unto John and said, baptize me. And it says, at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So what am I saying? Oh, excuse me. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. Please go back to verse 16. It says that he saw the Spirit of God. And it wasn't just Jesus. But all of those that observed saw the Spirit of God in the form of a dove descending on Jesus. Now, did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit when the dove, when the Spirit descended on him? No, he did not receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was already in him. It was just an act. It was a symbolization. It was a confirmation to show this is my beloved son. You see my spirit coming down on him, and I'm confirming in front of all of you, and you hear my voice. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was not Jesus accepting or getting filled. He didn't stand there and speak in tongues. It was a confirmation of what already existed. Amen? Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? All right, all right. 
Can y'all bring somebody bring that table over here for me? In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Yeah, that's fine. It says, however, you, however, are not of the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit. That is, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. How many of you, the spirit of God lives in you? Amen. And he says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, you are none of his, as the King James Version says, or they do not belong to Christ. If you don't have the spirit of God in you, then you don't belong to God. But I had that moment and I said, Lord Jesus, you said if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I would be saved. Yes, and you are saved. So now the spirit of Christ is in me. So you cannot separate one from the other. So then what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit comes with Christ. The thing is, is even as a, I want to make sure I don't have any kids in here. Just as when a woman conceives a child and the egg is fertilized, she has to wait. It doesn't, just because the baby hasn't been born does not mean she's not pregnant. The birth has just not come forth. Amen? The child still exists, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is in us, but we have to give birth to it. We have to give birth to the life that is in us. I want to take a break right here. I'm getting a little thirsty. Oh, should I say my mouth is getting a little dry? I cooked today, y'all. I cooked. <sighs> Smells good, too. Whew. Yeah. Pastor Wendy ain't the only cook in the house. I cooked us some oranges. How many of y'all like oranges? One, two, three. I need y'all three to come up here. See? Shouldn't you raise your hand? Mm-hmm, you too. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, yeah, y'all can stand right up there. Just right here, right here. You can turn around. One more. I saw another hand over there. They come? Yeah. All right. Now, y'all turn around, face the camera, because they, uh, 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 they need to see you. They need to see you. Y'all stand a little closer so the camera can catch you. What are y'all playing, musical oranges? Now, the uh, orange, let, let's just say for all practical purposes, orange has three parts to it. You have this, the, what do you call the outside? The skin, yeah. The skin on the outside. You have the fruit, that which we eat on the inside. And you have the seed. You have three parts to the orange, right? Everybody agree? Which, which part of the orange do we really want? We want the fruit part of it. Okay, so on the count of three, I want you all to start peeling your oranges. And then start eating. Okay? One, two, 
Stop right there. Okay. The thing is, like I said before, we've been lied to, is we also been lied because we think all we really want is Jesus. Right? We want the sweet part because we know Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and he's ever living to make intercession for me. So that when I sin, Jesus is there saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know yet. But you know, in the Old Testament, even the people didn't want to talk to God. They trembled at the voice of God. Even Moses said, I don't want to talk to God. Am I right? Y'all following me? Okay. Yeah. So, here you go. Let me have your orange. You can have that. You can eat that. Go ahead. Start eating. Go ahead. I bet you there's a lot of, I'm sure there's something in there that's nutritious. But do you want to eat that? If you went to the store, you work at, you work at the store, would you buy that? You don't want that. Folks get a little job, get a little money. They too good to eat. Uh-huh. That's all right. Okay. So um, who's next? So I, I dig deep, deep inside my orange, and I find something. What, what was the last part of the orange? The seed. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to give you some seeds. Mmm, don't they look good? <laughs> and these aren't real orange seeds, but I bought them because I knew they were bigger. But the seeds represent, and the seeds represents the future of what is to come. The seeds are something that, that's projected far off, but Sister Sheena here is doing everything she's supposed to do. She's in church. She's doing what she has to do. She's going to school. She's taking care of a lot of other things. She's got this going on. I don't want to put your business out there, but she's got all this going on, and she's trusting God. It's like, Lord, I don't, I don't cross every T and dot every I, but I'm doing what I got to do. And she comes and says, hey, bro, can you, uh, can you loan me like $100 because I'm short on my rent, and um, I really need it today because otherwise they're going to evict me from my apartment. And that person says, I'll help you out. And they give you a job application. I don't need a job application. I need $100. The job application will help me maybe two weeks from now when I go and get the job. But I need something right now. And I'm not trying to take away from the Holy Spirit, but I'm saying I need God right now. I'll plant the seeds, don't get me wrong, but I need the Holy Spirit to move in my life right now. So what about the sweet part? What about the sweet part? Everybody wants the sweet part. Don't you want the sweet part? Okay, we want the sweet part. I told y'all I cooked. I told y'all I cooked. You, you licking your lips, sister? You ready? No, I ain't tell you to turn around. She just ready for the sweet part. Ready for the sweet part. Oh, it's, oh, it's good. And it's cold too, ain't it? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, here comes the sweet part. Oh, yeah. You know, oranges, they, uh, okay. Excuse me, let me get between y'all. So here's the sweet part of the orange. 
And I'm going to open it up and, oh, yeah. Oh, look at that. That's fresh. Mm. Like to say, mm, look at that there. I'm going to stir that up there and put some spices on that thing. That thing going to look good. So here we have this nice sweet orange, and I'm going to trade you. Here, let me have that. What? It, I, there was some juices on it first. All right. Here you go. You said you like oranges. Okay, I won't, I won't give you that piece. Here you go. But that one's got some. Mm. Here you go. You can have this whole rest of this part. Huh? See, but we want to give people Jesus, but we want to put our stuff on it. You don't put your mouth on it. It's, he don't pass through all your hands, and he just is contaminated. So if you want, if you want it, you want the whole thing. Give me the whole thing. I need God the Father on the outside, the protection. I need the sweetness of Jesus on the inside, and I need the Holy Spirit to be the present thing, but also something I can plant. And you cannot separate one from the other. If you go in, in the store and they sell you this, you're going to be like, no, I don't want that. If you go and say, hey, I need some oranges, and they give you some seeds, you're going to be like, well, come back when they've grown up. And if they try to give you some fruit that's already been licked and chewed and bit on, you're leaving. Thank you all very much. You can't separate. You're so sweet. Thank you. You cannot separate one from the other. There was a time. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. It says about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Father has forsaken his only begotten son. God has nothing to do with his son that he sent into the world. I'm sending you on a mission if you need any supplies. When it comes time to be rescued, you call us up. Send us your coordinates. We'll send a helicopter in, extract you. No one will know you're there. Mission accomplished. But God sent his only son, and now Jesus is saying, you have forsaken me? No, I didn't forsake you. The one who knew no sin said, give me your sin. Give me your sin. And you that... That hasn't even been birthed yet. The seed. Give me your sin. And I'll take him to the cross. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Give me your sin. But because of that, he had to separate himself. God the Father had to separate himself from the son just long enough for the son to pick it up. And cast it away. Take all of our sins. And Jesus bearing that weight. 
If you've ever had to pick up something heavy, really heavy, you're like, you're going to help me? It's like, yeah, one, two, three. Well, are you holding it? Where are you at? And Jesus is bearing this weight. And he's saying, God, where are you? Am I holding this by myself? Yes, son, you are. That's what I sent you down there for. So you could bear it for everybody. And when Jesus took it on, he said, now into your hands, I commend my spirit. It is finished. But they have always, because he took on sin, remember I said before that just because you're a son and then you're an uncle and then you're a dad and then you're a brother, it doesn't forfeit who you really are. It doesn't forfeit any of your other roles. And Jesus never stopped being the son. Just because he took on sin didn't, didn't forfeit his position as the son. And then finally, when you ask, you shall receive. When you ask, you shall receive. I'm going to throw this in real quick before I get to that. Just like her sister-in-law, Kate Middleton, before her, she would likely be given the royal title during the day of her prenuptials, of her, excuse me, <laughs> of her nuptials. <laughs> Please don't get me in trouble for that one. When Meghan Markle marries Prince Harry at St. George Chapel, she will officially become a member of the what? Royal family. How many of you are members of the royal family? Every, amen. Thank you, sister. She didn't waste no time. You are a member of the royal family. She is given a title, which is what? Duchess of Sussex. Duke and Duchess of Sussex. She is given a title, but with that comes roles, responsibilities, and rights. You have roles. You have responsibility, but you also have rights. Do you know what all your rights are as an American citizen? No, you don't. Do you know what all your rights are as a child of God? No, we don't. It's going to take time and understanding to know all that she can do. But the first thing, first thing she has to do is say what? I do. Before she can become the Duchess of Sussex, she has to say, I do. Before you can receive the true blessings of God, and granted, there are people out here doing everything they want to do each and every day. But if you want the true blessings of God, the first thing in order to receive them, to get the roles, the responsibility, and the rights is to say, I do. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And then in verse, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 2, 
It says, suddenly, like a blowing violent wind came, excuse me, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. When the Bible talks about you will receive power, excuse me, yeah, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. I told you Spirit in the Old Testament was one word. Spirit in the New Testament is a different word. In the Old Testament, it came from a Hebrew word. Y'all help me out here. Ruach. Something along that. Ruach. In the New Testament, and that dealt with the spirit of man more so. But in the New Testament comes the word pneuma. Pneuma, which we, we know from those who do mechanics or know anything about pneumatic or, or mechanics, the word pneumatic. A lot of tools, like an air gun that a mechanic uses, pneumatic. When, um, what's, what's the other one? A jackhammer uses air because there is power in that air. When the Spirit of God comes on us, when we allow the Spirit of God, that pneuma power, that's where we get this word from, pneuma. It is a word that is derived from strength. It is air, gas, or wind operated by pressure or exhaust of air. Pressure or exhaust, the blowing of air. So when the Spirit of God comes on you, it says, you shall receive what? Power. And this is what, what I really liked. And this is my last scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter replied, repent. Let's read this together. Repent and be baptized. Who? Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I really didn't get this until this morning. First, he says, repent, which means what? To change, to turn away from, to turn away from. You know, if I'm walking this way, I am going to hit the corner of that keyboard first. But we often think of repent means, okay, now I'm going to go this way. No. It means to turn away from. So if I'm going to hit that keyboard, why don't I just go this way? We think that we have to automatically turn and do 180 degrees. Well, what if behind you was what you were trying to walk away from? Maybe you just need to divert a little bit to one side. But he says, repent and be baptized. So what do we think of with baptism? Take me to the water. Take me to the... <clears throat> All right. And that's true. I love that song. Take me to the water to be baptized. But what does baptize mean? Baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo, which means to immerse. Which means to immerse. 
So if I repent from what I am doing and I say, Jesus, come into my heart and I immerse myself in Jesus, I have become baptized. Y'all hear me? When I immerse myself in God and let God take over my life, I am being baptized. It doesn't, and don't get me wrong, there is a water baptism. But to immerse yourself in God. And he says, then, who? Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And when we do that, he says, and you will receive. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You cannot separate one from the other. You cannot separate God the Father, God the Son from one from the other. When you receive him, y'all looking at me strange, but when you receive him, when you repent and you're baptized and you received him, he comes into you. He not it. He comes into you. But we have to say, Lord, now I receive the Holy Spirit. Your water's about to break. And you are about to give birth. And now it's time for the children of God to give birth to what is already in you. Everyone, I need you to stand up right now. I need everyone to stand up right now. There is a birthing that God wants to take place right now. A birthing that God wants to take place right now. I'm not going to ask by the showing of hands, but I'm going to ask by the showing of hearts. Since you believe, and it says in, in the book of Acts chapter 19, the question was asked, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we ain't even even heard of them. We've never even heard of them. But we know the Holy Spirit exists. But some have only been raised to know about God. That's all we say, God. God. God who? Are you talking about another religion? Are you talking about God? I'm talking about God the Father, Jehovah. Some people only refer to Jesus. When you start talking about Jesus, okay, we can tie those two together. But what about the Holy Spirit? Where, where does he come into play? So not by the raising of hand, but by the showing of your heart. Since you have believed, have you acknowledged the Holy Spirit in your life? Not that he exists, but in your life. And Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Well, I'm walking this walk, but I keep doing the same things I'm doing. Well, you know something? If you, if you put oil in there, that light will go off when you're driving your car. We're operating, but we're driving around with no oil in the engine. And you're wondering why you're overheating. You're wondering why nothing is working the way it's supposed to work. Because there's no oil in your engine. If you put oil in it, oil is symbolic of what? Of who? Excuse me. The Holy Spirit. You put oil in your engine, the light will go out. 
But guess what? Then the light's going to come on. And you shall receive power. Oh, now, so when I hit the gas, the engine doesn't bog down anymore? No, because you got oil in it. And it runs a whole lot smoother. So by the showing of your hearts, be honest with yourself. Don't be honest with me. Be honest with yourself. 